All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 254 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger, and as always, it's brought to you by Botano. 19 plus, please play responsibly. And of course, uh, this week, lots to look forward to. Uh, NHL, the uh, NBA, uh, Monday Nighter in the NFL. And remember, it's Grey Cup week. Lots there at Botano.ca. As uh, Frank Cervalli, as always, uh, joins me. Frankie, how you doing? How's your weekend? Uh, not bad. It was uh, certainly better than the Edmonton Oilers. And uh, look, I'm in Toronto for Hall of Fame, GM meetings, lots going on. Heading to Sweden later this week for the Global Series. So busy, busy last couple weeks. Well, yeah, the the Hall of Fame weekend. And, and what a weekend. What a thrill that is. It's, it's really the, the goalie year. Uh, yeah, which, you're you know, the goalie. Three goalies uh, going in, first time ever in the uh, in the Hall of Fame history, and uh, you know what? All deserving um, to to get in. That, that is a that's a huge honor, and uh, you know I was I always look forward to it. Um, I I haven't surprised. It's kind of rare. Usually the Leafs are playing on the Monday night, but uh, no game tonight. They did it on the Friday night this year yeah. for the Hall of Fame game. And don't you just hate Henrik Lundqvist? Like every. You know, you see him even pull on the the Hall of Fame blazer, perfectly tailored. Like it's just, he's he's it, every part of him is you're just enviable of of uh, envious of what he's got going. He is a rather good looking man. I don't think there's any debate on that. And so. uh, you you might not be in six months. No offense, as sure. you uh, as we talked about on the pod last week. If the Oilers lost to the Sharks, you'd be having a new hairstyle for a while. Yeah, it's great. Uh, the good news, though, is my uh, my producer on Friday, uh, after losing the the bet where the Sharks beat the orders, um, he he gave me an out, and I, and of course I took it. But um, you know, I got to grow at a minimum three months. But if the orders somehow manage then a five game winning streak after the three months, then I can shave it at the after game five. So the rate they're going though, it, it looks like it's a pretty slim chance. But hey, I'll take anything at Come this on. point, Frank. Yeah, five so, wins—that's uh, not hard to do. Yeah, well, I looked at it. They they did they did it uh, three times last year, so uh, we'll see. Now they got a new coach. Uh, let's talk about all the tra- all the changes in that organization. They clearly had made up their mind. They were open. They said they they were going to make the change 
prior to the Seattle game. Um, you know, they had to work through, they call the Rangers, they get permission from the Rangers and they bring in Chris Knobloch from their AHL team. Of course, Knobloch had coached McDavid, uh, in Erie for, uh, three years, but then won a championship two years later without McDavid and actually another, won another championship six years earlier in, uh, Kootenai in the Western Hockey League, has coached the American League. Um, younger coach for sure. Uh, who will have Paul Coffey uh, on the bench. My question is this, Frank. I'm curious how long Coffey stays as the assistant coach. My guess is it's for the rest of the season. You okay. you think this is just a temporary get your heads on straight and I'm out? I wonder. I just I wonder if there's a possibility there. So, um cuz I like Paul yesterday, you know, made it clear that like obviously he wasn't looking for the job. It wasn't necessarily what he wanted to do, but he felt like hey, if, if that was what will help them, great. That's what he said publicly anyway. And I know I've talked to some other people around that uh, you know, he you know, he's been involved, he's been an advisor for the owner. So that in itself there's you know, there's some wondering, you know, how is that going to work? You're an advisor to the owner. Now you're the assistant coach. I, I can't recall that ever happening uh, anywhere else. So there is, you know, there's there's lots of question marks in Edmonton, Frank. Yeah, and I think that's fair. Um, I do think it is an interesting spot. And look, Paul Coffey has been in just about every situation you could possibly be in over the course of his NHL career. So he gets it. And I don't think anyone's looking at him like, Oh, this guy is a you know a spy, a, a narc that's feeding everything right to the owner. But I do think it creates an interesting dynamic for a first year head coach in the NHL that you've got not only one of the best defensemen of all time on your staff, but also someone that is there this optic or this view that he might be looking over the coach's shoulder. I don't think that's the case. Uh, but I could see why people ask the question. To me, I think the biggest thing is can Paul Coffey in joint, you know, work with Chris Knobloch fix really the Edmonton Oilers' biggest problem, which you've been talking about for years, and we've mentioned on this pod now 254 episodes in. Can this team be one that doesn't continually shoot itself in the foot? That and I wrote the article. I said we've seen lots of coaches try. And last season, the orders in the final 40 games, it looked like they'd figured it out. They uh, they were leading the league in goals for and they were uh, fifth in goals against down the stretch. Right. They, they don't need to lead the league in goals against. They don't have to be the best defensive team. They just have to be, you know, a respectful defensive team. But then you get to the playoffs and uh, the same issue uh came again. Now, goaltending obviously has played a factor. It can't overlook that. I think they need better goaltending, more consistent goaltending for sure. But the the orders, the thing is, Frank, they'll show you games. Calgary this year got nothing. Seattle generated very little. Winnipeg, they've done it. But then the problem is they, for whatever reason, they refuse to want to continue to do it. So uh, Chris Knobloch, to me, and Paul Coffey, their biggest challenge is going to be, can they convince the core group, the players who play the most minutes, can they be sound defensively? What's funny is McDavid's not scoring, and we'll get to that in a second, but his defensive game's actually been pretty good, right? I haven't seen any major gaffes, turnovers from, from 97, but there's lots of other big minute eaters on this team. And I'm not saying, Frank, you can never make a mistake, but anybody who watches the orders will see they gift goals. They make mistakes. They, they, they take chances that don't need to be taken. And it was the one thing that stood out to me in the press conference when Paul Coffey, when they asked, you know what, he says, hey, I actually like our team. I just, I want them to make decisions and then understand the odds. Yeah, play the where, odds, where, he kept saying. Yes. I felt like we were in a casino. Yeah, but he's right. And I know exactly what he means. And he's talking about, okay, regardless of the score in the game, what are the odds I can I can make this a good play for us? And if it's not high, don't take it. Just sit back. And Edmonton refuses for whatever reason. Maybe someone hasn't delivered it in the right direction. I still I still hold the players accountable to this. You're the ones who play the game. You're professional. You're in the National Hockey League. You're some of the best players on the planet. You should know what's necessary. Matthias Ekholm outlined this at the start of the season, said we need to be better defensively. We need to be more comfortable. We have to learn that we don't have to win the game on every shift. And unfortunately, through the first 13 games of the season, there's only been three games where you can say they adhered to what Ekholm put out. And so to me, that that's on the on the core group of players. You can't just keep changing coaches and it's always the coach's fault in Edmonton. At some point, you got to look within and say, hey, we got to be better as a group. That's why I was never really advocating for the change. It was that part. And the next question was, 
who's going to be the guy that comes in and makes the difference? Like who's the coaching change out there? The next candidate that you're saying, yes, that makes sense. That's the guy that's going to put this Oilers team over the top. And for me, the only real candidate that was out there was Joel Quenville. So I'm curious, you know, that that wasn't going to happen because he hasn't been reinstated by the league. And I, frankly, with more stuff hanging out there about the Blackhawks and this still unrelated but pending Hockey Canada sexual assault investigation, I don't see the league moving forward on that file anytime soon. So then you take a step back and you say, okay, Chris Knobloch coming in in this situation, what do you think? What what do you make of stepping in and not having NHL experience, being a guy that's supposed to get this team back in the mix that has legitimate Stanley Cup aspirations? It's a good question. Um, I was impressed yesterday um, talking to Chris Nombach, and I've spoke to him a few times before, you know, had him a guest on my show, but I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, I know him very well. But his responses to a lot of the questions, Frank, and, and I just want to point out, I thought the Oilers aired in how they held their press conference yesterday. I would have had Jackson and Holland out first, talk about the Woodcroft and Manson firing, get that out of the way, get it off the table. Okay, now we're going to bring out the head coach, the new head coach, and you could talk about him coming in because, you know, it's a little odd. He's sitting up there where, the, you know, they're talking about the past, which he has nothing to do with. He has zero to do with it. So that's just a side note. But uh, and so there wasn't as much focus like this guy's now going to get his first NHL game tonight. That's a pretty big deal. It wasn't, you know, wasn't really the focus point. But his answers to, you know, he, he outlined openly. You know, I'm more comfortable playing zone defense. I think that works better. So that's what he's going to want to implement. I know the orders, it didn't work early on for the first few, but guess what? I I talked to so many players, Frank, around the league. They're like, zone defense is actually easier. That's an excuse. It's about execution. And that's another example of the players not willing to execute a system. So in the end, we'll, we'll know in six months, but is this the right call? Did they make the right move? Great question. Um, I I don't know. Um, I I'll there's two. I'll be able to tell in the first two months, Frank, for me because I've and the reason I say two months is because I used Columbus and Calgary this year, rookie head coaches who, when things weren't going well by some of their better players, Johnny Gaudreau and Jonathan Huberdeau were sent a strong message. They were sat down on the bench, right, only for a period, but still, the point is they were held accountable. And none of Edmonton's top money, you know, top 10 forwards or sorry, top six forwards, top four defensemen have been held to that standard. And if Knobloch does, if these same habits continue to fester, then I'll say they made the right decision. But if in two, if within the first two months, right, because I know the players are going to be on their best behavior first. They're going to want to press the new coach, just like we saw when Woodcroft came in. Right. You know, the new coach gets their attention. Fine. I want to see when all of a sudden the uh, um, the new hype is is shine off. wears off. Will they revert back to, eh, I'm going to do what I want and there's no recourse. But if he holds them and suddenly we see a top 10 skater in ice time missing a shift, you know, missing a half a period, then to me, that's when I'll say they made the right decision because we really haven't seen that in this group. And it's the one thing that's missing. And I'm not putting all the onus on the coach. I want to make it very clear. Jay Woodcroft is not the reason the orders are three, nine and one. He's part of it for sure. But I'd say a small part. I think, I think Woodcroft and Manson. Was it the Bouchard error last week and not being sat? That's what stands out to you. That one for sure is, is an odd, but there's like, I could, there's games, Darnell nurse. And I get that these guys play a lot of minutes, Frank. But so does Jonathan Huberto, and so does um, uh, Johnny Gaudreau. And so there's other examples of guys. But the easiest one was in the Vancouver game. It's a 3-2 game. There was zero chance that that play was going to be successful, and Bouchard did it. And then he didn't back check hard enough, results in the rebound goal. And there's no, nothing held accountable. And we asked, Ken Holland said, uh, you know, him and Woodcroft talked about it. But, uh, you know, ultimately Woodcroft, for, for, and uh, you know, maybe uh, when the dust settles, you know, we'll talk about why. I'd be curious, you know, what's going through his mind. Maybe he has a reason that I'm not aware of, right? Well, I don't coach. So, but it uh, it was one. When you look around the league, Frank, we've seen it in a lot of teams this year, maybe more than ever, where coaches are like, no, 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 I got I to gotta get these guys' attention. And the only way to get their attention is by taking away their ice time. I could be wrong, and, and maybe I'm handicapping this the wrong way. I just... I don't know that that's ever really been a big part of Chris Knobloch's, you know, toolkit. Well, he did bench uh, McDavid and Erie 
So okay, um, but yeah. but the point, and and I think one of the real highlights and reasons why the Oilers went after him is you talk to people who spent a number of of seasons playing around Chris Knobloch in Hartford. He's a coach that really tries to make everyone feel good about their game. Yeah. And try and build them up, pump their tires, and get them feeling confident. That probably is going to be a big part of his assignment here for a team that really lost its way. People were saying, you know, last week the Oilers are broken. I don't think they're broken. I think they're just lost. And I think there's a difference between those two things because broken comes with the connotation that it can't be put back together. Yeah. Is that fair? Uh, totally. And I, I don't think I don't think they're broken by by any stretch. Um there's a lot of things that need to improve, but there's a lot of things that I think are easily improvable. Most notably Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid, Frank, is a hundred and twenty-sixth in NHL scoring right now. He's averaging less than a point a game. He has ten points in eleven games. I know people are like, oh, he's injured. He's injured. Well how hurt I, is he? I don't believe he's that hurt, and here's why. Um, he spent 15 to 20 minutes after practice with Dylan Holloway on the road trip, working on battle drills. And you know what McDavid said? He goes, I got to work my way out of this. So if you're, if you're that injured, I don't think you're doing that. Look at his minutes played. Like I'm watching him on the ice. I don't ever see him favoring anything. I mean, we were both at the practice outdoors at the heritage classic before he came back and we looked at each other. We're like, he's flying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I think if he has any sort of ailment, Frank, I think he might have like a just a nagging hand issue because he is missing passes that he never misses. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, how many times am I seeing him to look to make a pass that's not connecting? And so, like, even Leon Dreisaitl, like Leon Dreisaitl has fanned on more one timers this year than he has in the last four years. Right. Confidence. None more than Connor Brown, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, his his. Even the best players in the world, I think, at times can struggle with confidence. And the one thing I picked out yesterday also from the head coach was he talked about, he goes, our our top guys, they just seem to be playing. I want to get them back where they're having fun, where the game is fun. And right now, his, because he was asked from afar, from watching what he saw, and he goes, it looks like some guys just aren't having fun. And it was an interesting but a very simple and truthful answer, right? Like, if you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself, right? Like, they've came in on the captain's case and that didn't work out. I, I think there's a lot of things that have piled up here that maybe someone needs to just exhale and maybe a new message. Sometimes it's all of a sudden, you know, you hear it clearly when someone else says it to you. And it's a coach that McDavid obviously trusts. Mm-hmm. He's worked with him before. So, you know, maybe if he can get me, like, it sounds so dumb to say, if he gets McDavid on track, oh, Frank, all, all he has easier. to do is just bludgeon a couple teams for a week. And all of a sudden the Oilers are back. I've been saying yeah. this. That's the one, you know, you can have defensive zone lapses. You can have your goaltender not stop pucks and all those things at some point will kind of come back to you. But the one constant the last few years for the Oilers has been McDavid and Dreisaitl have just been killing everyone and kind of papering over some of those other things that happen from time to time. 100%. And uh, so I look at the Oilers and, you know, Zach Hyman's producing very well. You know, Kane, uh, Bouchard's production's fine. His defensive game is where they need to improve on. And so I, I think there's lots of um, open roads for improvement, right? Like, is it? it's virtually impossible for their save percentage to be any worse moving forward, right? Their goals against average can easily improve. And their goals for, Frank, like, look where the orders are in the NHL standings and goals for, man. They're terrible. They're like uh, bottom six in the NHL right now. So um, the, the the one benefit Knobloch has is he's coming in at a time. Can only go where up. It's, yes, very easy for all the arrows to suddenly start turning the other way. Now, he might get credit for it, but I'm not sure that's necessarily fair. I'm not going to take anything away from him. But it's possible that t- it even turned against Seattle on Saturday. Maybe. Yeah, you're right. But you and I were both there. The Calgary game was reminiscent. They dominated the Calgary game and then they went out and lost four in a row after Calgary. So I need to see it before I believe it because I got fooled once and getting fooled again. But remember, Jay Woodcroft won the fifth most games in the NHL, 79 out of 133 in his tenure, and he still got let go. So there is a good team here. So I, I don't want to say, oh, Knobloch came in, Woodcroft was a problem. I'm never buying that. I'm not, to me, that's going to be an excuse and a scapegoat. It just means the players are going to get back to playing to their level of capability. So before we move on, I, I want to just wrap 
on the Oilers discussion with this. There's a lot of talk on social media about, hey, watch this press conference. It appears that Ken Holland and Jeff Jackson are not on the same page. I personally think the clip that was circulating was missing context because you had Ken Holland basically saying that he was talking to players throughout the week just about general stuff, what's going wrong. And then you have Jeff Jackson say, we don't consult with the players on a move like this. Where do you come out on that? Well, I think you're right. I think it's two separate things. Uh, I think Ken Holland's on the road. Of course, he's talking to the players. He's probably asking them, hey, you know, what's going wrong? What are you feeling? I don't think he he said, hey, I'm going to fire the head coach. What do you think? I, I you know, it's funny because I've talked to guys who used to be captains of teams and were on teams that had coach fired. And one guy was on a coach of three different teams that got fired. He goes, I was never asked or told we were going to fire the coach. So he doesn't think that you would actually go because now you're putting your players in a pretty tough position, A, to ask them that question, right? You don't ever want to put that on a player. So uh, I think Jeff Jackson, I think they're both tell. I think two things can happen at the same time, Frank. I think you can talk to your players about what's going wrong, right? And then Jackson and Holland decide, hey, we're firing the coach. We're, and that doesn't mean the players said, oh, the coach is the problem, right? Like, I don't, I don't have anything for me to say that's factual. I'm not saying that maybe the coach, some coaches and players didn't get along. That happens all the time. But I, I'd, I'd be stunned if you had the GM go to some of his core leaders and ask them flat out, should I fire the coach? I just, I don't see that happening. I've never heard of that happen. Does that seem like something Connor McDavid would do? Like, so let's like, let's take a step back and look at all the attention that's now been placed on this with his junior coach coming in. He probably hates, hates, hates that this is even a talking point. He, cause it looks optically like if you are a casual observer of the Oilers that, Oh, this is, Connor McDavid got his agent hired, then now has his junior coach coming in. It looks like he's got both hands on the steering wheel and determining where the Oilers go next. And I don't think he's totally blind to it all, but I certainly don't think that he's the guy that's driving the bus. And he he strikes me as one of those guys that he wouldn't say bleep if his mouth was full of it. Like he just wants to win and work and that's it. I don't I don't think he's sitting here saying, you know, we got to go out and get Chris Knobloch. Yeah, fair. All right. I, I would agree. And um, I I I will say this, though. I think Jeff Jackson um, had a, had a strong hand in this decision. Of course, right? I, I think uh, I don't think Ken, this is in Ken Holland's playbook. I really don't. Yeah. I don't well, think allow- firing the coach after 13 games is something that he that's it. That's what his M.O. would be. Yeah, well, obviously Jay Woodcroft was, and you know, when he fired Dave Tippett uh, in February of 2022, that was the first coach he'd ever fired during the season. So, um, you know, his two in-season firings have come in Edmonton, which is, uh, you know, which is odd considering how many years he's coached. Now, and, and here's like the Edmonton owners have made the playoffs, Frank, four years in a row, and this is the third coach. Like that doesn't happen very often. Like to me, players need to look in the mirror. Enough's enough. If, if you're continuing to, to fire coaches when you've been a playoff team and they have a playoff caliber roster that is underachieving and underperforming, sure, some of that can be on the coach, but it definitely can't all be. Totally agree. Our guy Tyler is on uh, coming back from Seattle today. He was out there at the Oilers cracking game on Saturday, went to a little Seahawks game as well on Sunday as part of the nation vacation so tyler's out of commission that leaves us with fill in the blank which is brought to you by doordash holiday season is fast approaching and whether you're an over eager celebrator or a party season hermit doordash has your needs covered stay stocked up for the every gathering and a cozy night in keep your holidays stress-free with groceries desserts gifts and more delivered right to your door with doordash so to put a bow on our oilers conversation jay the Edmonton Oilers will finish in blank place in the Western Conference. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, do, 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 well, they're definitely not. Uh, I don't think they're getting home ice in the first two rounds for sure. So I am going to say the Oilers finish in seventh in the Western Conference. Yeah, that's the exact same spot, unfortunately, that I have them in. I think they're the first wild card team, which would be interesting in terms of how that might 
potentially set things up? Does that it could essentially cross them over uh, to the central side of the bracket, which would be a first for them. Yes. And uh, which would mean either Dallas or Colorado. Right. Uh, Dallas, of course, right now is, is ahead of the Avs by five points. The Avs have a game in hand. So that would uh, you know be one of those two teams. And, you know, there's no easy path, whether oh, it's Dallas or Colorado or Vegas. Like, yeah, well, there, there was an easier path if they would have started better. But that's obviously in the rearview mirror. Yeah, true. So you mentioned Connor McDavid, 126 tied for 126th in scoring so far this year. He will finish in blank place in scoring. <laughs> Oh man. Uh it's it's unreal to watch that he's under a point a game. Like it's crazy. He he's looked human in in many of his games. Um I still think at the end of the year Frank he's he's uh, he'll find his unless not my cavities unless he gets injured. But uh, I will say that McDavid finishes uh top oof, geez, I'll still say he's top 5. So you don't think there's a chance that he wins the Art Ross? He's 15 well, points back of Pedersen. Yeah, there's a chance. 14 uh, points back of Panarin, and he won last year by like 20-some points. Yeah, well, and that was over uh, Drysdale. He was like 40 ahead of everybody else. So, yeah, you're right. There's definitely a, there's definitely a chance. There's a lot of season left. Yeah. Might be a good time why. to place a McDavid Art Ross bet with our friends at Patano. Might be, yeah. So I will. Uh, that's a good question, man. Like you look, you know, Pedersen's on fire uh, right now. Like he's on pace for what is he on pace for? Something like 135 points. So that's why I think it's. I, I'm still going to say, yeah. I don't think he wins it. So I think he'll finish in the top five. He might be in second place. Might be a point back. But uh, it's a tough road. Obviously, if there's one player that could do it, it would be him. But I don't know why. There's just something this season. Something seems off. Pedersen on pace for 137. By the way, pretty good. Um, the Florida Panthers will finish in blank place in the East. They are in a great spot. They've had their top two defensemen out all season long. Ekblad and Montour, both guys are on their way back. Both have the potential to be back in the lineup before the calendar turns to December. They have 19 points. They're nine, four and one in 14 games played in second place in the Atlantic division. The Panthers will finish in blank place in the East. And they're getting Sam Bennett back too, right? Yep. He's only played two yep. games. So uh, blank place in the East. Um, I will say, I think they're going to finish. I like their team. So I'm going to say Florida finishes third in the uh, East. I'm going to say fourth, but second in the Atlantic. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I think they yeah. go. I think it's Boston, Rangers, Carolina, and then the Panthers. But okay, hey, look, this is my way of admitting that I was totally wrong on the on the Panthers. I I thought that they'd they'd kind of be in a spot like the Oilers have been without those top two defensemen, but they're they've gotten competent goaltending and their offense is really just that good. Sam Reinhardt has been an absolute beast. Oh, he's been outstanding for them. Like, you know, carrying their team. He he's been way he's been way more productive than Kachuk. Kachuk's not playing poorly by any stretch, but he's been their go-to guy there, no question about it. So it's uh um and hey, that that's what you need. When when guys go down, other people have to step up. And so even if McDavid isn't 100 percent healthy, other guys gotta step up in Edmonton. It's just, you know, you can't just say, Well, uh McDavid's a little banged up. I'm like, the guy's still playing over 20 minutes a night. So I don't buy that excuse. Connor Bedard has uh, back-to-back games with Woo-hoo. multiple goals. Uh, first time in his career that he had a multi-goal game, and he does it uh, twice in a row. He now has nine goals so far, tying the NHL record for an 18-year-old uh, with Dale Howarchuk, most goals in his first 13 career games, which is a pretty impressive number. And he's on pace for an absolute whopper this season. 57 goals. Last fill in the blank. Connor Bedard finishes with blank goals. Jeez, he does look like he's getting better all the time. It's crazy, man. His shot is it's just, we knew it was good, but it's like, I think he's top five shooters already in the NHL. 21%. Um, yeah. I will say Bedard finishes with 52%. 
52. 52. Okay. I'm going to say 47. I think there's going to be a lull there, but I do think he is certainly on track for something pretty special. That is fill in the blank delivered by DoorDash. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery freeze on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code NATION25. That's 25% off up to a $10 value and zero delivery fees on your first order with the DoorDash app. Dash that for the win. Now, we should mention for rookies, shout out to Leo Carlson, Frank. He's got six goals in 10 games. And, um, you know, he's playing just uh, under one minute fewer per game than uh, Bedard. But, man, Leo Carlson, who was a little bit banged up to start the year, man, he is coming on. He is playing very well. Like, I'm, I'm not saying he's going to catch Bedard in goals, but 10 in the first uh, six goals in his first 10 NHL games, it's pretty darn impressive. This is, there's a shout out. This is a really good rookie class. Like, yes. I, I love watching Carlson play. I just think more than the goals and the points, the way that he sees the ice has been incredibly impressive. Well, Logan Cooley in Arizona has got 10 apples already. He's got 11 points in 14 games, man. Like he's been impressive. Uh, uh, Fantilli uh, scored another nice goal. Uh, You know, Marco Rossi, especially because of his health conditions, you know, is one of the few bright spots right now in Minnesota. And then, uh, you know, Anaheim's young defenseman, Frank, that he's probably the one maybe that I'm not sure anybody had. Pavel Minjukov. Yes, to start the season thinking, hey, this guy would be, you know, up there in the rookie year. He's clearly right now um, the the best rookie defenseman. You know, he's, like Luke Hughes had all the preseason hype. Oh, but that so injury far, was tough. Yeah, but but so far that injury was brutal. But so far he's, uh, you know, in the 13 games he's played, I would say he's probably the second best rookie defenseman, which is still pretty good. But, um, you know, and even Brock Faber had a lot of hype around him. He's yep. played he's actually played quite well defensively on a team that's just getting killed five on five. So I will give Faber a shout out. His defensive play as a rookie is very impressive. Well, you mentioned the wild. Let's talk about our crown royal generous guy of the week. Who you got? Oh, baby, this one is un- unfortunately, Wild fans, I'm going to give it to the Minnesota Wild because their penalty kill, their special teams has been incredibly generous uh, against Dallas. Yes, Dallas scored five power play goals, but also two shorthanded goals in the same game. The uh, The penalty kill of the Wild uh, has been brutal. It was 61% this past week. They allowed seven power play goals on uh, on 18 chances. And and that was just this week. And and if you look at it overall, Frank, it's, it's not really getting any better. Their uh, their penalty kill is, is terrible. It's worse than the NHL. It's at sixty three, but it actually got worse this year. That's uh, this week, which is why I wanted to bring it up. They've just been way too generous on the penalty kill. Uh, their coach is frustrated. Their players are frustrated. The GM's frustrated. They're all frustrated. They're goaltending. Like it's shocking because you know last year Dean Evason w- was up for for coach of the year. He did a great job, and a lot of things went right for Minnesota. But right now defensively overall and specifically on their penalty kill. They're just being way too generous. You can't give up five power play goals in one game and then give up two shorthanded goals. Like, I'm sorry, man. Like, I I love the generosity, but it's I I think it's in the wrong direction. I'm with you. I I think the big thing is when you look at, you know, even something small like the trade, you've got Bogosian coming in and Kalen Addison going out. Their thinking or thought process is we have a totally different style of defender, but I'm not I'm not sold that Zach Bogosian is going to be the answer. Well, you look at that trade, right? Like it's clearly they're looking for stylistic. They're looking for someone who can just you know shut things down. And you know, obviously they they didn't like maybe the, the, a little bit of the gambling style of Addison. And probably I think with 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 Spurgeon coming back. I'm not sure either one's going to play very much. Right? Well, like, they had five th- forwards running their power play, and you have a yeah. power play specialist who doesn't defend well and doesn't do a lot else. You don't really have a need for him. No, no, not at all. I, I do think like this shows you, you know, how important Spurgeon is to that team, right? But even one player shouldn't be the reason why your penalty kill can't stop anything, right? So uh, maybe him coming back, maybe he will be the uh, the the penalty kill whisperer for the Minnesota Wild. But Frank, I'll be honest, like there's been a lot of surprises to start the season across the league. But uh, I look at the Wild's defensive play 
And, and to me, that's right up there. Them and the Edmonton Oilers, I think, have been easily probably the two biggest disappointments uh, early on this season. Uh, you know, Calgary would probably be a you know a close third after that. Ottawa fans might raise their hands and say, "Hey, what about us?" They thought, but they're six and seven. Like it's not a terrible start. It's not a great start, but it's not terrible. But Minnesota and Edmonton, I think, without question, uh, have been probably the two most disappointing. And the good news for the Wild is they're in a much better position to recover standings wise than the Edmonton Oilers. Like the Wild only find themselves they were also you know. a really streaky team last year they yes. had some crazy highs and lows that i wouldn't be surprised to see them turn it around yeah like but like they're minus 14 right now already in in goals for goals against which is worse than chicago and nashville it's the worst in the uh only the san jose sharks and uh oilers are worse uh, or sorry the flames too they're minus 15 so but some of those are empty net goals yeah so that's the the Minnesota Wild penalty kill are our Crown Royal generous guys of the week. Crown Royal reminds you that generosity lives in the small things. It doesn't need money or an audience or even acknowledgement. Just needs a few good people. Crown Royal, crown everything. So let's, Frank, uh, you mentioned uh, uh, Calgary. Let's talk about that Zadarov trade request. What'd you make of that? <laughs> well, his agent, Dan Milstein's never afraid to stir it up, right? Uh, the timing of it's kind of unique, right? Uh, right, right, literally moments after the game. And then, you know, the, the next games, Adorov talked about, he says, Hey, you know what? I'd like to be in Calgary. I wanted to sign here, but it's, but it's not working out. Um, I think Craig Conroy is in a position where, you know, this isn't the first player that's come out publicly and asked for a trade. Um, it probably is something you don't want because now it just adds a little bit more uh, chaos to a team that's not playing well. But I, I don't think this is a major surprise, Frank, considering none of these guys have signed extensions in Calgary, right? I think well, he Calgary's wasn't in- coming back. So, like, this yeah. isn't a shock. It's just why would you go do it? Because it ultimately ends up hurting your cause. I Yes, that's the one thing that I find. I understand this a little get- too on the nose. Like, you want to go to Toronto and you have it leak out after you score a goal and have a big hit against the Leafs on a Friday night. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're making it, you're almost making it more difficult for the Toronto GM to acquire you because even though people, I think sometimes player and agents are, okay, we put the trade request out. That's going to lower his trade value. Maybe, but not always look at, and like Steve Iserman, I think it gave every GM the playbook on how you want to handle somebody who wants a trade request. Look what he did with Jonathan Durant. Right. Like that to me was the uh, the greatest handling of it. You said, hey, man, that's fine. I'll listen to your request. He even went home for a while. Then he's, geez, now I'm missing out. I'm not getting paid. Well, I'm going to go back. And then eventually got traded. And it's, I think the, the the teams and the GM here, you're Craig Conroy. It's like, hey, you, you want to get traded? No problem. But I'm going to trade you on my timeline. It might not even be until the trade deadline. Because I'm not giving you away. I, I think he will have value, Frank. Like, there's not many. I think six he does have six. value, but you've made it harder to make the trade right now. Yeah, I agree. I don't. I don't think it was wise. But um, how do you it, face your teammates? You walk back in the room and you're like, "Oh, I, I didn't know about this." Yeah, you know what? I've talked to some players. Some guys, I think they understand. They try to separate the, uh, you know, it's like when a player, you know, is in a long contract negotiation, it extends into the start of the season. And, you know, players like, hey, it's the business side because they themselves might be in that position at one point. I think if you get too upset at a teammate about it, you don't know that maybe three years or two years down the road, you might be in the exact same spot. So I find a lot of players are a little bit more patient than the the media or the fans are about it. And I, I don't know if as long as he plays well. Now, if he comes in the room, Franks, and starts stinking out the joint. Well, that's a little bit different. Then players just say, hey, man, if you want to get traded, that's fine. But you be respectful and you be committed to us while you're here. And as long as he does that, I don't think there's a reason to be that upset. I just don't understand the timing of it. Like everyone knows Zadaroff is getting traded before March 8th. The only question is where. And everyone has always known really since the flames fell out of the gate. So congratulations on drawing some unneeded attention. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, I, I think you brought up a really good point about you do it in like you're trying to the, map the out. flames found out about it on social media, which I just think is it's the wrong way to do it. hundred percent. It is. Yeah. Like I, I think that's an error by a veteran agent to do it that way. And, and look, Craig Conroy has already had a little experience, even though he's only been on the job for barely six months. 
his hair was kind of on fire in the first few weeks when there was all the reports of all the players that were not planning on re-signing in Calgary. And he just said, hold on a second. Let's take a step back here. We're the team. We have control. We're going to do it on our terms. The squeaky wheel at the time was Tyler Toffoli. He gets traded to New Jersey. By the way, off to a great start. And that that's everyone else is kind of like, let's settle down here and we'll do this when we want to do it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. 100%. And, I, like, the, the funny thing is there's lots of players who ask for trade requests, Frank, that are never public. And sometimes they get granted and lots of times they don't. And then the player ends up staying on that team for four or five years. And Most times ex- they don't. Yeah. Like lots of examples of it. So um, when you make it public, you make it about you. And I honestly think it comes down to the personality. Now, maybe the player tells his agent, you put it out there. Right. Maybe he did. Right. Cause I'll say this about Zadorov. Like he is not afraid of anything. Like he, he spoke out publicly against Putin as a Russian player. Like that's almost unheard of. Right. Like there's a few people that do it. And sadly, like, you know, we live in a different world here in North America than, than what they live with in Russia. Right. You speak out against Putin in Russia, you can get killed. Right. Like you end up in the speak, bottom of a pond. Yeah. Like here you speak out and people are like, well, I disagree with you. OK, that's, you know, thankfully we we, we live in a, some sanity in, in North America. Like We're not perfect. Don't get me wrong. But um, so he's that's his personality, I think. Um, I never, I've never been one who believes that the agent puts out anything without the player knowing that it's coming without the player, uh, rubber stamping it to say, yeah, you can do this. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, this to me was maybe strategically planned as you talked about and, and we'll find out, but I will say this, there are teams like he's six foot six, he's 248 pounds. He's mobile. You know, he's got, is he 248 pounds? Yeah. He is wow. huge, man. Like, like, like that guy's a cabinet. He is, he a is cabinet. massive. So I look at, uh, he will be highly sought after. Like, make no mistake. And uh, right now, when it comes out, people think, well, Calgary's in a position of weakness. Craig Conroy needs to stay patient here because he's going to have lots of defensemen if they keep floundering. He'll have lots of defensemen that are highly sought after at the deadline that, that could turn out. Now it sucks because you're going to lose three NHL defensemen and then you're probably not getting three players back, but they, he could get a pretty good haul here uh, for the Calgary flames. And it's why funny, can't Frank, they do what Vancouver did? Resign them. No trade Bo Horvat. Right. Yeah, and then yeah. take the first round pick and flip it for Philip Aronik. Yes. hundred percent. You can. Yes, I I was just going to say that because Calgary isn't that got, their playbook here. It's got to be because when you look at all the long term contracts they have, I don't see how they can go into a full rebuild. They can't get rid of them all. It's impossible. Another team that's kind of in a similar spot, but has played better this year is the Caps. Hey, well, speaking of the Capitals, man, we everybody. I don't know if I was looking around. I don't know if anybody had the Caps 
uh, in the playoffs this year. Maybe somebody did, but you know, I, I read a lot of different prognostications. I love it. I'm always, you know, I find it fun uh, to see where people are going to predict people to get in. I and still have a hard time believing, by the way, that they're going to get there. I, I agree with you. But here's the thing, Frank. They're doing this despite barely scoring. I know. Alex They're Ovechkin s- is, looks like he kind of finally got himself in gear. You know, you look at uh, this weekend, Saturday, two-goal game. He's got four on the year now, shooting in abysmal for him, 7.5%. Yeah, well, they're, they're seven, four, and two, right? Now, they've won in the shootout twice, so that definitely helps them. But, like, they can't score, right? They they got 30 goals, Frank. 30 goals in 13 games, but they're seven, four, and two. They're not giving up a lot. So so I give them credit for that. But this is, you know, Backstrom goes out and, you know, puts him into a little bit of a spot. And I understand it. You know, it's tough for him. But I will give the Capitals credit. They have been a lot more competitive than I expect them to be. 30th in the league in goals for, you have to think that Ovechkin finds a stride. I'm not saying he's going to be a 45-goal scorer, but I'd be shocked if he doesn't get to 30. Has he ever not had 30? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. Like, um, there's no evidence to suggest that that would be the case. Yeah. Even in the lockout shortened years. Well, there was one year that he didn't get to, uh, to 30. He only played 45 games. He had 24. Uh, Okay. Oh yeah. There you go. So that's like, think about that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, like, and, and even four and 13 is, uh, um, the 48 is, game season, 2012, 13, he had 32. Yeah. It's outrageous. And like, if you put him, he's still on pace for 25 goals and he's had for him a very slow start. So, you know what? He gets hot for a week and suddenly he's on pace for 30. So he'll get going, but it's the rest of their team. Like very few guys are scoring right now in Washington. It's crazy to me that you can win that many games now that offense is higher and that you can win that many games not scoring goals. So I give them credit. They got a lot of guys, though, that, that need to get going. Um, I'm, I'm still with you. I'm not sure, Frank, that they'll, they'll be a playoff team. They're ahead but of the these- Devils right now who are really struggling not having both Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer in the lineup. Oh, massive. I, think, I don't know. Well, I How many say, teams than- could survive those types of losses, but still? <laughs> Boston. Right. They're proving us wrong. Right. They're top two centers like we don't need top two centers. We'll just fill in with other guys. No big deal. But uh, you're right. Like New Jersey uh, was it is a team that I think is good. But yes, uh, without Hughes and he sure definitely exposed them. But you could say that about a lot of teams where suddenly you lose your top two centers. Boston maybe being the one exception right now that that are able to to overcome it. But look, teams have look at Tampa Bay without their uh, their Vesna trophy winning goalie. Look at Florida without their defense winning Bennett. Right. You, you, teams can do it. If you if you have depth and the other guys step up, you can play well uh, for a, sh- you know, a shorter period of time without guys. And now when Florida gets those players back, you would hope that they just keep rolling and not use it like, OK, now we can other guys can can take their foot off the gas. Do you feel better about the Penguins now? Winners of four in a row? What's what's funny, Frank, is you know when we were talking a few weeks ago about their their power play, which wasn't scoring, but their power play actually had the most shots per six. Like they were creating a lot of chances, it wasn't going in. So you know, it's not a surprise to me that suddenly now their their power play has picked up uh, a bit. Uh, I, Pittsburgh just had too much talent for me to to be where they were. It's kind of like Edmonton. Like there are bad teams. Like San Jose just doesn't have a lot of talent. I don't expect them to improve. Edmonton and Pittsburgh had way like, and Edmonton's not there yet. They've only won one game in a row here, but Pittsburgh had more talent, right? Than their record suggested. And now they're starting to roll. And I th- like, I had Pittsburgh as a playoff team. Like I look at the standings right now. Do I think Pittsburgh will eventually catch the Capitals? Yeah. They're only two points behind them. So I do think eventually, you know, in a week or two, we might be seeing a switch there and the Penguins are, are into a playoff spot I don't in, know. The, uh, in the Metro. I just think only three teams are getting in from the Metro. So you gotta, you gotta, it's gonna, like, I think the odds are that it's still gonna be Rangers, Hurricanes, Devils in some order. You gotta find a way to bump one of those teams out and or edge out someone from the Atlantic. And even just on a point pace perspective, it seems like those teams in the Atlantic just have so much more juice. Well, do you think Detroit? Cause, cause Boston, Florida, Toronto, Tampa, I think most people had them as playoff teams. I'm not so sold on Detroit and Detroit's okay. last couple of weeks. They've really come down to earth a lot and not just from a record perspective, but just watching their games, they've struggled to get off to good starts. They've struggled to score in first periods. Like, I'm just 
I'm not, I'm just not sold on Detroit. Yeah. And that's the team that Pittsburgh could catch out. Right. Um, Cause Buffalo and Ottawa have, uh, have spun their tires a little bit more than, than Buffalo is going to get it together. Right. <sighs> I don't know. I would think so, but you know, they still give up too much Frank five on five. That's, that's their issue. They give up much too much five on five. Hmm. All right. Like, but like, they're not out of it. Hey, look at that Atlantic division. Like give Montreal credit. You know, they've, they've been battling, Uh, you know, they're tied with Tampa Bay. Um, You know, Buffalo is a point back. Like Buffalo's not out of it by any stretch. They're three points behind Detroit. So do I think they should? Yes. But I think Buffalo's big thing is once they can get, because that was their one question mark going into the season, because I think they were 31st in five on five goals against last year. And usually Frank, like look at the teams who make the playoffs. It's teams who are usually, you know, I think the 16 playoff teams last year, there was top 19 in goals against all of them. The year before, I think it was uh, 15 out of the top 17. Like, goals against matter more than goals for as far as making the playoffs. And so that's where, you know, Edmonton's got to wake up defensively. Pittsburgh had to do it. But I look at the in that division, and and Buffalo is a team that's going to have to to figure out their goals against. And Detroit, right? Like, Detroit's actually allowed more goals against than uh, – than them and, and same with Tampa and Toronto, funny enough. But I just I like those teams, I think eventually might figure it out a little bit more. But you know, we talked about Toronto briefly, Frank, and I do want to get your thoughts on their blue line and what you know what they're gonna do there. And I know they're going over to Sweden now. They they had that uh you know big win on Saturday night. But you know, what do you make of the Leafs defense and how long will Tree Living wait to make a trade? Well, that's what made the Zadaroff thing so interesting. The timing of it was like, it just also happened, like I said, very on the nose. It happened to come at a time when Leaf fans are frothing at the mouth saying, John Klingberg, seriously, like, why did we spend this money on this guy? And there's been all sorts of talk from Sheldon Keefe about how this team has not played well enough and taken care of the puck in their own end. I thought the Klingberg quote unquote injury was fascinating. It sure felt like a healthy scratch to me. I mean, everyone that saw him in practice on Thursday was like, this guy went through practice completely healthy and ended up being scratched on Friday, comes back into the lineup on Saturday. Certainly looks a little bit better. Um, I, I don't, I don't think that thing's going to fix itself. Um, I think what you've gotten from John Klingberg is mostly in the same realm of what you're going to continue to get from him. I think the Ryan Reeves healthy scratch was fascinating. I mean, these were two pretty prominent pieces of their offseason plan and we're five weeks into the season and they've kind of already backfired. Yeah, it's... um... It, well, the, the Klingberg one to me is fascinating. Like I've watched their games, Frank, and I, at times like he looks nervous to get hit and, and you just can't play that way, right? Like the, today's game is there's guys like the game's fast and sure, it, you know what? You got to take some contact, but my goodness, like guys aren't abs, like they're not crushing you to the point where you're going to be injured. And, you know, guys are in shape. Like, it's been fascinating to me to watch. Now, maybe it's a lack of confidence. I don't know. But they're going to have to try to work with them because it's gone way worse than expected. That's what I think this the Friday night was. You need to just take a step back, mentally reset, and we'll put you back in on Saturday. Yeah, you have to like it. And sometimes that's really good coaching, right? Like sometimes a guy just needs to, to exhale a little bit. There's. You know what? You're certain like there's pressure everywhere in the NHL, but there's just some more pressure in, in other markets, and and some players put more pressure on themselves than they should. No question about it. Just like all of us in, in everyday life sometimes do. So I look at at Klingberg and and you know now they they go over to to Europe, um, you know for a week. You know I'm sure Willie Nylander is going to tour him around in some places. Maybe you would hope anyway. Like what's the point of going to Sweden all year long if they don't? <laughs> you know in the middle of the year if you don't get to have some fun days off. Well, that's right? that's kind of the nice thing is. They've got a bunch of days before they play their games. Then they've got a few days after to kind of recover. So they play basically twice in the next two weeks almost is how it breaks down. Yes. Which yeah. for the tough part for the Leafs is for a team that kind of looked like they figured it out last game. You don't really want to wait that long again. No. And then you know that you're going to pay for it later in the schedule. You're going to have a lot of condensed uh, you know, games in a short period of time. Right. That's the, that's kind of the give and take of it. So, um, 
Hey, uh, I'm curious to see how they uh, how they do over there. And what what do you make, Frank, like of of these trips over here for teams? I haven't studied it. Does does this benefit teams? Is there any real negative? I don't like, think the there's teams- a negative. Yeah, I think okay. it's so well done and set up. And I think this one in particular with four teams going. Yeah, uh, I think it's kind of going to be like a little bit of a festival atmosphere. Um, obviously Sweden producing the third most NHL players behind Canada and the U S it's such a big part of, they're such a big part of the league. And I mean, just look back in history. There's a lot of recent indications that teams that go play abroad end up actually having a lot of success. Like the Boston Bruins one year open the season in China, they play in the Stanley cup final that year. Like there's something about, getting away, doing something a little bit different that I think works and and really helps everyone come together. Awesome, Frank. Hey, Thanks I, so much. Before we run, there's going to be a big topic, uh, of course, on Tuesday at the GM meetings about uh, cut-resistant clothing for yes. players. I uh, just wanted to give a brief update since we did talk about it a lot um, a couple weeks ago when Adam Johnson uh, tragically died. Um, the... USA Hockey announced over the weekend didn't really receive a lot of publicity, but their board of directors unanimously voted to request that they begin the process of making rule changes uh, with regards to neck laceration protection. So we talked about how crazy it was that USA Hockey did not have a rule in place making neck guards mandatory for youth hockey players in this country. Um, So their big thing is it could be addressed according to their press release as early as their winter meeting in January. So they're recommending that everyone continue to wear it, but we're getting a lot closer to making it mandatory. Yeah. I, I, when you told me that, Frank, I couldn't believe it for, you know, six, six, seven, eight, nine, 10 year olds all the way up to, if you're not a professional, um, and, and like, we've seen some pros do it now, but for young kids, man, like balance is an issue. They're flopping all over the place. I've coached. I love it. Don't get me wrong. It's so fun, but that surprised me a, a little bit to, you know, to put it in place. And, um, you know, I know war road and there's, there's other places that are, that are making gear. That's a little bit more comfortable. Um, NHL guys have it, whether it's on their wrist. I know lots of players have it on their wrist. Lots of them wear the, uh, the Kevlar socks, Frank around their ankles now, because obviously that's the closest one. That's where the skates are all the time. And, uh, they're wearing them there, but you know, it makes sense for sure at the minor hockey level to, to have this mandatory. I, I don't see how anybody could argue that this isn't a smart decision. Totally agree. And I just wanted to follow up because we were kind of hammering them saying, hey, you don't have anything yeah. in place. They're working on it. Wow, that's good. Now, before we end the show, Frank, uh, I want to tell everybody about the uh, Survivor Pool at Wendy's. It's a new week. Uh, get in there, and it's brought to you by uh, Wendy's and their new obsession, the very real barbecue bacon cheeseburger. So while you obsess about your picks this week, reward that dedication with Wendy's new obsession, the very real barbecue bacon cheeseburger. Freshly added to Wendy's lineup, enjoy the applewood smoked bacon and crispy onions as cheese melts over the fresh but never frozen Canadian beef. And remember, this is super important. Play it all year long. Because if you're good, you could win $5,000. Somebody is going to walk away grand prize winner of $5,000. So the picks, you know what? It's different every week. You got to get in. It's Sometimes it's about teams. Sometimes it's about individuals, shots and goals and so many different things. So uh, check it out. Dailyfaceoff.com. It's a uh, very easy to find. Just look at the in the top right corner and you will see it right there where it says uh, Wendy Survivor. You cannot miss it. Enjoy. Frankie, uh, you'll be in Toronto uh, this week. And then you'll next time we chat, uh, you'll be in Sweden. Mm-hmm. So uh, we will talk to you. Uh, have you been to Sweden before? Never been. Ooh. Yeah, looking buddy. forward to it. Oh, it's a beautiful. I've never been, but I've heard. I've talked to a lot of the Swede guys. They love it over there. So where are you staying? Uh, staying right downtown. Uh, looking forward to seeing uh, Avicii Arena and uh, how unique that place is. And I just think it's cool that you've got four teams over there at the same time. Lots of opportunity to talk to different people and I'm going to get a sense from the Minnesota wild, how that penalty kill that's been struggling, how they're going to try and fix it. Things like that. Yeah, Maybe that's what they need. They need to get off the North American continent to figure it they out. They need to play guilty a little bit in Sweden. Maybe <laughs> might not hurt. Have a good week, Frank. 
All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.